Hey, listen, we're glad you're here. We're in this series, the 23rd Psalm, and we've been walking slowly through the 23rd Psalm. Next week, I'm going to finish the series up. Uh, next weekend, uh, we'll finish the series up together. But today, we're in this series. It's titled Desperate, that just as the sheep are desperate for their shepherd, we're desperate. We're God's sheep. We're desperate for the good shepherd, our good shepherd, which is Jesus as well. So we've been going through the 23rd Psalm, and we come to this, this verse where all of a sudden, well, let me tell you this. I, I titled this message just Heal. Uh, I hope I say that right. That's one of those Texas words that I have trouble. Heal, uh, H-E-A-L. Are you with me? Okay, not like a hill that you go over, but heal. Uh, <laughs> it just sounds like the same with me. I don't know why. I got a friend that's a pastor, for, and, and he's from England, and it's like he can say something stupid, and it sounds intelligent. And I'm like, I'm so jealous because as a Texan, we can say something intelligent, and it still sounds stupid. stupid. <laughs> so... Uh, so anyway, uh, we, we better move along. But I, I want to talk to you about how God, heals, how God heals your hurts. How God heals your hidden hurts, because that's what verse 5 is about. That's what we're going to look at today. I mean, you, you look at life and you realize that, that we go through a lot of hurts. It, it can be a circumstance. It can be a situation in life. It can be an accident that we go through in life. And so we can have a lot of hurts. But I, I think if we all talked this morning, we'd, we'd all come away sad. But the deepest hurts involve people, right? The deepest hurts involve relationships. A lot of times, those are the hurts we call, take the most is when we've been hurt by an individual. We've been hurt by a person. Now, listen, we know this. Some people hurt you by accident. Some hurt you intentionally. Some hurt you unintentionally. Some hurt you intentionally. Some hurt you with words that they say or phrases they use or something they say, and they don't know your past. They don't know your past hurt, and it ties into something of your past, and so they hurt you accidentally. They hurt you intentionally. But then there, there, there's some that hurt us intentionally. They know the words. They know the phrase. They know the thing, and so they hurt us intentionally. So I think if we're honest this morning, we would all say some of our deepest hurts involve people. People can be our greatest joy and people can be our greatest blessing, but also people can be our greatest hurt and pain because we're all flawed. We're, we're, none of us are perfect. We, we, we're, we're all a work in progress. And so this morning I want to talk to you about how does God heal you? How does God heal your, your, your hidden hurts? Because some of us, we can have hurts that, you know what, nobody knows about. We never felt comfortable to share. We never told anyone. It could be a spouse that, 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 that doesn't even know. It can be close friends that don't know. It can be relationships that if we're not careful, we can all carry what I call hidden hurts. So what does God do with those, and how does he heal them? Well, I think the 23rd Psalm answers that. Here's what the, the verse says, verse 5. David is talking. And listen, if, if, we were, if we were a part of their culture, if we were in their time, we would totally get this language. We'd totally, it, it'd just be, it'd be instant. And so today I'm going to help you understand culturally this language as well. So, so here we go, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And so there is a lot there in this one verse. So I want to I give you two things about how does God heal my hidden hurts. How does God bring healing in my life when I'm hurt? The first thing is this. You have to remember, you have to do, you just have to remember this. It is good to acknowledge the hurt. And it's good to, it is good to acknowledge the hurt. See, a lot of people, the, the way that, especially men, the way a lot of people try to deal with this is act like they're not hurt. 
You know what? We're men. We're tough. It's like, you know what? It's like water that rolls off of a duck's back. It doesn't really bother me. And so, but, but sometimes women have this same issue as well. And so a lot of times, it's, we, you just got to understand, it's good to acknowledge the hurt. But a lot of people say, you know what? I don't have a problem. It didn't hurt. It didn't hurt at all. I mean, I mean it didn't hurt. I mean, you just got to expect that from that individual. You just got to understand that's who they are. That's what they say. That's what they do. You know what? I don't have a problem. It doesn't really hurt. And so some people will try to minimize it by saying, you know, it's just no big deal. Man, I've been through this so much with them. I've heard these comments for so long. I mean, I just, I've just come to expect it. And you know what? It is no big deal. And so you know what you're doing? You're sweeping it under the rug. And you know what? You sweep it under the rug long enough, people will soon see like the, the pile. I mean, they will see like the mess. I mean, all of a sudden, it will be obvious to everybody, right? You ever been around someone and you know they're hurting? You know they have some hidden hurts? And you try to probe, and they're like, no, no, I am not. Listen, I'm telling you, here's what I've learned, and maybe, maybe some of you have learned this. You can stuff your hurt. You can deny your hurt. You can say it's no big deal. Use whatever language you want. But you try to stuff it, your stomach will keep score. Your heart will keep score. Your soul will keep score. And I mean, here's what David said in Psalm 39, too. He says, I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail. My, desire, my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke my tongue, and it wasn't good. And he's angry. So, so some people, you know what, they just hide the hurt. And they keep it to themselves. And This is one of the dangers of Christian community sometimes, or superficial Christian community. That we learn pretty quickly, right? I don't know who teaches this, and, and I don't, because we work really hard about being authentic in a real church. And so I preach that way in, in transparent, and some of the illustrations I'll use this morning be the same. But for some reason, we camouflage, camouflage our hurt. And we, we can get dressed up, and we can come to church, and we walk in those doors, and we can smile, and we can laugh, and we can joke. And it doesn't matter what we're carrying. It doesn't matter the hurt we're carrying. It doesn't matter the conversations we had on the way to church or the conversations we're going to have going home, the conversations we had in our home, the hurt that we're carrying. You know what? We can walk into church and we can smile and we can camouflage the pain. And we can, that's the way that we, we, we hide that. I mean, you ever played this game around your house? Uh, is there something wrong game? You ever done that? Ask a spouse, ask, ask someone in your house, hey, is there something wrong? No, I'm fine. I'm perfect. And they slam a cupboard door, slam a door, or their breathing changes, or they groan or whatever. You ever played that game? I mean, right, we all have, okay? Even, listen, even me. I mean, we've all, we've all played that game. Why is it? And I don't, I don't understand this about human nature. Why is it for a lot of us, it's easier for us to admit that we're angry than it is to admit that we're hurt? For a lot of us, we, it's okay. We can say, hey, I'm just angry. But what's driving that anger a lot of times is hurt. And so what happens is it's a lot of times easier because we're not as vulnerable when we say we're angry versus hurt. 
A lot of times the reason that it's hard for us to say that we're hurt is because it's tied to shame and tied to guilt, tied to some other things, is because we're going to have to deal with some things if we say we're hurt instead of angry. Uh, Psalm 32.3 says, when I, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as heat, as by the heat of summer. Listen, here's what I've learned. Hiding your hurt does not alleviate your hurt, does not take away your hurt. You know what it does? It intensifies your hurt. Because God has created us to get rid of it. And so you have to do something. I mean, you have to keep it stuffed, right? Have you ever noticed if you tried to hide your hurt, you tried to stuff your hurt, it kind of comes out at the most inopportune times? I cannot believe I said that at that point. I cannot believe I responded like that. And so in biblical community and Christian community, see, that's the importance of life group. That's the importance of Christian community, that we develop a community of people where we're loved, where we're trusted, where we can be honest, where we can be real and we can be authentic. We can talk about our hurts. We can talk about our pains. We can talk about our disappointments where we're not judged, we're not condemned, uh, we're not dismissed, we're not looked down on towards a safe place because I'm telling you, you have to find a place. You have to find a place that you can share. James 5, 6 is just what James says in Christian communities. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is, it is working. In other words, it is important to have Christian community. Man, you know, I just tell you the danger, if you, if, you, if you walk into a church and you really don't know anyone and you really don't have Christian community, you know what can happen to you? It can, it can push you into isolation, and, and I'll tell you how. Because you can walk in and you can, you can see everybody, and everybody seems happy, and they, they look sharp, you know, and they seem happy, and they're li- laughing, and you, you can walk out with a false belief that I, I'm the only one that's messed up in this place. I'm the only one with a problem. I'm the only one. And when you get in Christian community, realize, guess what? And what is really cool is when God matches you up with someone and they've walked through some of the same things you have. And so the first thing is this. It is good to acknowledge a hurt. But there's something better. It cannot, start, it cannot stop there. It has to start there. But it has to progress. It has to move. And so it is good to acknowledge the hurt. But there's something better. It's better. Second principle, it's better to receive a healing. It is good to acknowledge the hurt, but it is better to receive a healing. There are some people, and man, you're really good at acknowledging the hurt. You've been acknowledging the hurt for years. And you've been talking about it over and over and over. And and there's not any solution, and there's never come healing in your life to where you've been able to move on. And so there's some that, guess what, You're, you're good at acknowledging the hurt. I mean, you just bring that individual's name, and you'll process it out right there in front of everybody. Everybody knows. And so it's good to acknowledge the hurt, but there's something better to receive a healing. In other words, to where it's, it's, a, it's a starting point because if you're not careful, you can, you can hang on to a hurt for years and years and years. And you never receive healing. And it causes bitterness and resentment in your life. Man, let me tell you something. Everybody has a hurt. And if you can come to the place, and listen, I have people around me. If you can come to a place to build true Christian community, because when you look in Scripture, you find God always heals in community. God would use a community, a church, a life group, a 
a biblical community to bring healing in one another's lives. And one of the issues is, is to where you, to where you, to you develop the courage to express a hurt to find healing, to find relief. So what Scripture says, instead of ignoring it and stuffing it and hiding it, listen, let me tell you something. Let, let me just tell you a personal story, really personal story, and then we'll move on. About 10 years ago, I was, I was dealing with a hidden hurt. I was dealing with a hurt that had happened a long time ago in my life, and it was embarrassing, and it was hurting. It was, it was hurtful. It was devastating. And it got to the place where I'd stuffed it as long as I could stuff it. And it was, it, my stomach was keeping score, my soul was keeping score, my heart. And so I, I had to come to the point to get healing. And so I went to a, a, a Christian counselor. I hope that doesn't wreck you, that your pastor went to a counselor. I mean, some of you probably thought, oh, my gosh, I thought the guy was perfect till now. <laughs> and so I, I go to a Christian counselor, and I, I, be, I believe in Christian counseling. And so I was going expecting, you know, like three happy hops to, to healing or, or something like that. And, and it turned out to be a lot of work. And I got to the place, and he says, now you need to have the courage to share. And so he says, I want you to go to, your, to a trusted friends, and I want you to pick three friends. I want you to go to them. I want, to express, I want you to express to them what hurt you, what happened to you. And then, and then I, I want them to respond back to you how they look at you after hearing that. And you know what? It was so healing in my life because I, I picked three trusted friends. And, and so anyway... And so I explained to them, and two of the three says, you know what, I've walked through the same thing. I walked through the same thing. All of them said it doesn't change the way we look at you. Fact is, it, we look at you better. We look at you that you're real. We look at you that you've worked through this. I'm telling you, there's something about coming to the place. Listen, it is good, listen, it is good to acknowledge your hurt, but it's better to find healing. And so David in the psalm tells us, uses three phrases of how you find healing. He says, the first one is, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Then he says, you anoint my head with oil. Then he says, my cup overflows. So with the time that we have remaining, I, I just want to take you through this psalm. And I want you to understand the process that God uses to find healing in your life. That if you are nursing a hidden hurt, whether it's a, it, it can be a church hurt, it can be a relationship hurt in the past. It can have to do with an individual. It can have to do with a group of people. It can have to do with an event in your life. But if you want to find healing, this, this is what, this, I'm telling you, this is what God uses. The first thing is this, is just that phrase. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The first one is this, man, you've got to trust God. You have got to come to the place and trust God. In other words, this, Man, you don't try to get even. You don't seek revenge. You don't retaliate against those who hurt you. You come to the place and you trust God. You trust God to settle the score. You trust God to take care of the situation. You take God. You trust God to, to, uh, to take care of the people around you that have hurt you. David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Have you ever wondered that? That's one of the questions I've had for God. I mean, God, will, you know, it would be easier if you just took the enemies away from me, right? You ever thought that? God, you know, you want to solve this, just take the enemies away. But God seems to leave them there. You know why? David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know one of the, one of the reasons that God leaves the enemies around you? One, he wants, you to, he wants to teach you to trust him over anyone else. The second thing is this. 
He wants your enemies to be able to see what it is like for an individual to live for him. And when he blesses you, it is a testimony to your enemies. It is a testimony of his love and his care for the individual. So David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now listen, sheep have natural enemies. They have coyotes, they have wolves, they have bears, they have, they have ticks. Sheep are very defenseless animals. They, I mean, sheep cannot defend themselves for, against anything. They don't have sharp teeth that they can bite. Uh, they're not coordinated enough to kick a predator or something like that. And then to make matters even worse, they can't run fast. So, so they cannot get away from danger. They cannot protect themselves. They're the most defenseless animals they are. They, they, don't, know, they don't know how to do anything. Sheep cannot stay safe unless they're protected. And the same is true of us. we got to understand, i got to trust God. Man, i got, I got to trust God. See, if, if, you ever go, if you ever go to the Holy Land, Israel, uh, you, you realize that it's, it's just a desert climate. And so even, like even the mesa areas, the, the pastures of, of lands, the meadows of their area, they have two enemies of sheep. They have poisonous plants, and then they have, they have plants with thorns. And so sheep are defenseless animals. They don't know what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat. And so as a result of that, if they go into the, the meadow and the poisonous plants are there, guess what? They're going to eat them and die. They just don't know the difference. And then if there's the plants there with thorns, they will, they will try to eat it. It will cut their noses. Their noses are tender. Uh, it will get infected, and they will die a slow death. So, it, so that's, their, that's, that's part of their enemies. And so a good shepherd will go in, and that's, that's his whole image, imagery about, about the 23rd Psalm. A good shepherd will go into the pasture, the meadow, ahead of the sheep. And the shepherd has a tool, and he'll take out all the, all the poisonous plants. He'll take out all the plants with thorns. He will pile them up around the, the, the pasture, around the meadow, and then he will bring the sheep in. And the sheep trust the shepherd that the shepherd has protected them and the enemies have been taken care of. Even though they're around, the enemies have been taken care of and that they will be, be cared for. In other words, they know that he has driven out all of, their, all of their enemies. Listen, let me tell you something. Man, God cares about you. And even if you have a hidden hurt this morning, even if you have something that you're carrying that nobody else knows about, he knows. He saw it, and he can settle the score. The Bible says very clearly one day he'll settle the score. There, the score. There, is, there is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a judgment day. Man, he, and God tells us you and I cannot recover from our hurt and our pain as long as you're seeking revenge. When you have hidden hurts, you and I have to decide, do we, do we want revenge or do we want to get well? You can't have both. I don't know if you know this. Revenge lasts like forever. You cannot seek revenge, retaliation, and get well at the same time. I mean, today... Revenge is like big business. Revenge lasts forever. Have you ever noticed you've tried to get revenge? It's never enough. Even if you win, I mean, it's like, oh, I should have gotten more. 
or it can bring you frustration because it doesn't bring healing in your soul. It doesn't relieve, it doesn't alleviate anything. Fact is, the hurt is still there, and you go, oh, I thought I'd get revenge, and I thought the hurt would go away. Now it's like intensified because it didn't take care of it. I mean, revenge always backfires. Revenge is, listen, I'm telling you, revenge, retaliation is never enough. But when you, when you retaliate, when you get revenge, you don't, you don't take away the pain, you escalate the pain. It never relieves the pain. Now, listen, let me tell you something. The cure is this. What David is talking about, he's talking about forgiveness. And I know forgiveness, it's like tough, right? Because it, it takes work. Well, fact is, it takes God. And it takes us to come to the place that we trust him. When you forgive, forgiveness, listen, forgiveness doesn't, doesn't mean that you're saying that it's okay that they hurt me. What they did to me was no big deal. What they did to me, it was my fault. Forgiveness is not saying, and because forgiveness is not saying they should get all free and clear for what they did. It's not saying any of that. Forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is not denying the evil that was done against you. Joseph, he was honest about that when he saw his brothers. He says, What what you intended for harm, what you intended for evil, man, God turned to good. In other words, you see in Joseph's life that it was this trust, it was this trust of God. Forgiveness is coming to that place to where you give the hurt and the pain to God. And you say, God, I, I, release, I release that to you. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to try to get revenge. And I'm going to trust you to settle the score. I'm going to trust you to take care of my enemies. I'm going to trust you to, to handle the situation. And the reason that we forgive is because we've been forgiven by God. It's a core of the Christian life. When we... God has forgiven us of much. And when we receive forgiveness, we should be willing. Listen, we should be willing to give forgiveness. And another reason we should forgive, if you haven't learned this or not, resentment will make you miserable. Resentment will not only make you miserable, it'll make everybody you live with miserable, right? It'll make everybody you come in contact with miserable, right? I mean, that's why Hebrews talks about the progression of, of unforgiveness and, 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 and resentfulness and, and then bitterness and death. He's not talking about physical death. You know what he's talking about? Relational death. If you carry resentment, it, will bring, it can bring relational death. It can suck the joy out of the healthy relationships around you now because you're living life through your, through your, your pain. And another reason that we forgive is, guess what? We're going to need forgiveness in the future, right? None of us are perfect. And so the first thing is you got to understand is you got to understand, i got to trust God, but the second thing, it cannot stay there. The second thing is this, you got to understand healing comes from God. Healing comes from God. So David makes a statement. He says, you anoint my, my head with oil. See, shepherds of their day, because of this issue of, 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 of the sheep and being defenseless, they would use oil for two things, to soothe and to, to heal the, uh, the worst enemy of a, of a sheep, it kind of sounds crazy. You know what it was? Flies. A fly. And summertime was like horrible for sheep because that's when the flies were really out. And see, um, and as a result of that, and I know it's kind of gross, and maybe you guys are going to go home and watch the cowboys and eat some snacks, and, and uh, I don't want to destroy that of you losing your appetite, but, but flies would get in the nose of a, of a sheep, and if they did, they would lay eggs, and the larva would hatch, 
and it would infect their noses, and it would sooner or later it would it would it would kill them as a slow slow painful death. See, sheep are defenseless animals; they can't even defend themselves from a fly. They don't have a tail that they can you know, and they're not coordinated enough to shake. And so as a result of that, they need a shepherd that will anoint their head with oil. They would take olive oil, and they would take a sulfur and put it in there, and they would anoint, they'd put it on their heads, and it served as a natural insect repellent against flies. Have you ever noticed, isn't it amazing that it's the little things in life that really irritate you? I mean, have you ever noticed that when, when you have unforgiveness or some resent, you're carrying some resentment? Someone can just, like a spouse or a friend or whatever, they can just walk in the room and you get angry. The way they breathe makes you angry. They don't seem like they're upset, makes you angry, right? You ever notice that a lot of times it can be the little things in life that irritate us? And you know what God says? God says, I'll even take care of the little things. Man, if you, if, if you won't seek revenge, if you'll trust me, if you'll understand healing comes to the Lord, I'll, t- I'll take care of the little things. I mean, this is what he's saying. And so the other way that they would use the oil was to soothe when a, when a sheep was damaged with his cut and they needed to be bandaged. And that's why he said, you anoint my head with oil. He's saying, you soothe my wounds. Psalm 147.3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. In other words, he says, not only will I, not only will I settle the score, not only will I take care of your enemies if you let me. You know what? If you want to try, I'll, I'll let you. But if you want me to do it, I'll do more than that. I'll take care. I'll settle the score, and I'll bring healing in your life. I mean, I'll, I'll settle the score, and I'll, I'll, I'll sue those hurts, and I can bandage them up. And, you know, here, here's the crazy thing. It's just a process because once you're forgiven, it doesn't mean that you still don't have pain. Man, that's when the healing starts. Listen, forgiveness is instant, but restoration, man, that takes time. And that's where a life group comes in. That's where Christian community comes in. That's where trusted friends come in. Forgiveness is instant, but you know what? Sometimes, depending on how deep the hurt and deep the pain, forgiveness and restoration can take, take like, in some instances, like years. I mean, right? There's some cuts we get that may not even need a Band-Aid. Um, or may need a Band-Aid, but it heals pretty quickly. But you know what? There's other cuts in life that we get, and it, it, it's going to need triage. It's going it's, it's, it's to need a bandage. Someone betrays you. Someone embezzles from you. Someone steals from you. A divorce, an affair. Someone cuts you to your core. Forgiveness can be instant, but restoration, restoration takes, takes time. This is what Jesus is saying, and that's why he uses, that's why he uses community. I mean, we, we were there on an adoption day, and it was just amazing to watch uh, Pastor Beth and Reese and, and her family and her life group around her. They had, they had been praying for her. They had been encouraging her, and I'm telling you what, when, when Reese... I mean, this was over a year process. When Reese was adopted, there were tears. There was celebration. It was like an answer to prayer. Christian community life groups, I'm telling you, God heals in community when, when people open up the word together. 
and know each other and trust each other. God also uses worship, right? Ever been in a worship service and you, you hear that song, you hear that lyric, and all of a sudden God does something in your spirit, but guess what? God also uses ministry. In other words, it's part of the process. There's so many times that, that when, you, when you begin to minister to others, God does something in your heart. I mean, it's part of the process. The fact is we have a soul care ministry here that helps people through hurts. And many of the soul care ministries, ministers, they've gone through hurt themselves and they come alongside of people. And so one of the things about this issue is, is part of your healing comes when you, when you start getting, you, you get back in the game and when you start serving and you start helping others. There's, if you've ever had surgery, you know this. There's like, and these aren't technical terms, even though I'm married to a nurse, but... Uh, <laughs> But after surgery, there's two phases, the be still stage and the get moving stage. And unfortunately, you don't get to stay in the be still stage long, right? I mean, I've, I've had surgery, and I mean, it's like, it's, like, it's like within an hour, I mean, the get moving nurse comes in, your wife, and <laughs> I'm like, what is up? You used to have mercy, and there's no mercy. And, and so the get moving nurse is, she's like, well, you know what? You want to get well, you get moving. The longer you lay in bed, the longer your recovery. The longer you lay in bed, guess what? You may never recover. And so all of a sudden she comes in, or, or he, and it's like, it's like, it's like the, the get moving stage. And one time they sent me to like a physical therapist. And so now a th physical therapist, um, and I've been to a really good one, and He's a friend, and but he had no mercy. <laughs> and you know what a physical therapist does? Makes you do things you don't want to do. You know why? Because of pain. I mean, a, phys a good phys physical therapist, I'm just telling you, they make my dentist look good. I mean, I'm like, I get less pain at the dentist. I'll go to the dentist. And so, uh, and so, and so here's the deal. I'm, t I'm telling you, some of you this morning... You've been, you've been laying a long time, and you need to get moving if you want to get well. And it may threaten you, it may scare you, but I am telling you, if you want to find healing, it is get moving. It is get moving in community. It is get moving and opening scripture. It is get moving and getting some people around you, some Christian friends that may push you, may challenge you, may frustrate you from time to time. And we speak truth and love. We don't judge. We don't condemn. But I'm telling you, God uses. I cannot tell you this any stronger than I can. I've lived this. You find healing in community. In building Christian friends, Christian people around you. I mean, and listen... On the other side of healing, you may still have a scar. You may still remember it, but you know what? When you find healing, you will remember the scar, but when you look at the scar, instead of seeing the hurt, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see the healer. You're going to see what God did, and you're going to use it as a testimony. Say, so this is the betrayal. This is the hurt. This is the pain, but let me tell you about my healer. Let me tell you about what, what God did. The last thing is this. You just got to understand total satisfaction comes from God. Total satisfaction in life comes from God. He uses the term, my cup overflows. Now, that's a huge term in, in the Middle East. It's still a huge term. You go to Israel now, you'll hear it. I mean, it's just a, it's a huge term. And so in the Middle East, desert community, they didn't waste anything. They didn't waste water. They didn't waste wine. 
Um, so whenever you, whenever you saw a cup that was overflowing, one of the things that it was symbolic of, one of the things it showed is this person had unlimited resources. In other words, they had more than, than, than what, they, what, they, what they needed. And so in the Middle East, you, you never wasted water or wine because it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was rare and you needed it. And so one of the major reasons, I'm just telling you one of the major reasons, me included, but one of the major reasons people get hurt is because they expect people to meet needs in their life that only God can meet. Nobody, I don't care how perfect they are, nobody can give you absolute security 24-7. No person, I'm just telling you, no person can give you all the love you need 24-7. You know why? Human love wears out. We go through seasons. We get exhausted. We get tired. We get stressed. No person, I'm just telling you, no person can make you completely happy. Here's some younger people every once in a while, especially females, tell me, oh, pastor, if I could just get married, all my problems would go away. <laughs> so can I ask you married ladies a question? <laughs> when you got married, did all your problems go away? Someone in the, someone in the 9 o'clock service raised up both hands and says, no, I got more problems. I go, oh, we're not going to give testimony right now. No, right? Listen, if you, if you expect someone, you go into marriage, a relationship, whatever, you expect someone to meet all your needs 24-7, give you all the love you need, give you all the security you need, you're going to be bitterly disappointed and resentful. You have needs, I have needs that only God can meet. And God designed us that way, you know why? So we'd look to him, so that we would need him. And see, only God can meet all of your needs because his love never runs dry. My cup overflows. He's never in a bad mood. He never lets you down. I mean, it's, 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 it's this phrase. Now, listen, in the Middle East, and we'll close with this, but in the Middle East, they had the my cup overflows principle. And like, like in our time, you ever wondered when you meet someone new in church and they say, hey, why don't you come over to the house for dinner? And so you go over to their house for dinner. How do you know when you leave? How do you know if you don't really know them, right? Are they early person people? Are they late people? They want you to leave at 8. They want you to leave at 9. They want you to leave at 10. When do you leave? And so it's that awkward thing because you don't really know them. If you get to know them and it's kind of different, then you kind of know, hey, we got to clear out by 8 or he's going to get grumpy. So we're leaving. But, but you don't know. In the Middle East, they figured it out. Okay, it's their custom. They still practice this day. It's so fascinating. So it's their custom. So you go over to someone's house in the Middle East, and then they, they fill your cup with water or wine, and you drink it down. It's empty. If they fill it again, you're good to go. You can stay. You drink it, and it's empty. They fill it again, you're good to go. But if they quit filling it, you better clear out, okay? <laughs> it's time to go, especially if they just dump it out. And so uh, just, if you're not going to finish it, we'll finish it for you as we take you to the door. And so, okay? <laughs> But if they reach across the table, take the pitcher of water or wine, fill it to where it overflows, you know what they're saying? Your family. Stay as long as you want. We have more than you need. Your family. 
We may go to bed at 9. We may go to bed at 10. But you need us. We'll stay up till 11. We'll stay up to 12. Because we're family. David said, he makes a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. He soothes, he heals, my cup overflows. That only true satisfaction comes from him. He has more than I ever need and I can trust him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?